Beards for Radio. Welcome, everybody, back to uh, Beards for Radio. I'm Sasha. And I'm Joe. And as always, we're here to talk about sports. We're here to talk about nerd stuff. But first, we're going to start off with post-Final Four, you know, after Virginia. We're not going to talk about Virginia. Virginia won. Spoiler alert if no one knew. But we're going to talk about (laughs) Michigan, Michigan State, what next season entails, pretty much, you know, the college preseason. Now, for Michigan, we just got big news that, you know, Matthews, it was no surprise that he was trying to go into the NBA. Um, but the biggest surprise that came to me was Brazdikas and Poole. You know, as talented as they are, in my opinion, they are not NBA ready. I hope that they do have like a, uh, how I want to say this, they kind of do it like how Nick Ward did it and, you know, go in there, test the waters, uh, let them know what's going on, um, what they need to work with. And I, I, I hope they come back and actually attack those things and become better players, you know, in the NCAA for Michigan and get, later on take that, uh, take that, um, you know, onto the NBA themselves. So, yeah, Pool I feel like has a better chance of coming back than Brazdikis, um, just based on the way Brazdikis was interviewing about it. You know, he sounded very. Um, I mean, he's always very confident, but he sounded very um, set on it. Like, you know, it's always been his dream to play in the NBA. And, you know, he was mentioning about being Beeline's uh, first one-and-done player. Um, And, you know, he certainly has the confidence. I think he has the ability. And um, Brasdikas, even though he's uh, a class younger, he's actually older than Jordan Poole. Um, Like, he's already 20, and Poole will be 20, I think, right before the draft. So, like, NBA prospects are always looking at age because they're always thinking about, like, you know, how much potential they can get, uh, how many years they can get out of you in the NBA, you know. So, for that reason and for, uh, you know, just his confidence and um, his drive, I feel like Brazdikis is going to stay in the NBA draft. Um, but for Poole, um, you know, there was the issue of his dad – Uh, fighting with U of M fans on Twitter after a lot of them said, like, he was useless and stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, I I don't know. Poole is like a wild card to me because I don't know where he would be drafted. I think he would be at least in the second round, you know. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. And then Izzo was talking about uh, Winston and Ward. He said he thinks they should uh, declare and at least, you know, go through the process and test it out. Um. But from what I, I – we haven't really heard anything from either of them. Uh, so, no no word out of East Lansing yet. Yeah, and, and you know, like Matthew's going – it can understand that. But, like, Brazikas, I understand they look at age. But, it's but you know, he's not Zion. You know, let's let, let's break right. it down. You know, he didn't get he, – he didn't even get, you know – he got honorable mentions. You know what I'm saying? To me, one – you cannot put one and duns under the same breath as just honorable mentions for the year. He didn't, you know, make no players of the year, nothing. You know what I'm saying? So I think the talent's there, but I think he's still green. I don't think he's – I think he's way too green for the NBA. I think Jordan Poole is way too green for the NBA. But I think they should go in there, test the waters. Hopefully they get uh, 
uh, good advice like Nick Ward did and come back and, you know, you know, shape their game a little bit more towards what these NBA, you know, uh, higher ups are looking for. But, you know, as, as a Michigan player, it worries me because if those three guys go, you know, we're left with Teske and Simpson, you know, Livers and wow. Eli Brooks, you know, and we saw a little bit of Castleton and, um, you know, we saw a little bit of the Julius, uh, that John's junior kid, a little bit of that other white kid on the team, uh, Davis, Austin Davis. Yeah. You know, we saw a little bit of them, but like those, that's not, those aren't caliber players that are going to take you on, you know, that 17 and 0 run. They're not going to take you on to the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. Like these three players go, man. I think it's, it's going to be really shitty for Michigan in the next few years. So I'm, I hope they don't go. You know, Matthews, I understand. You know, it's getting close to that time. But Brzezikas and Poole, selfishly, I don't want them to go. And, you know, from the eye test, personally, I don't think they're NBA ready, you know, so. And that's fair. And um, so if if you had to choose only one of them to come back, which one Brzezikas. do you want? You want Brzezikas? That makes sense. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the Michigan State um, – you know, we talked about them last week uh, on the day of the Final Four. We were kind of hoping we could do a, a championship edition. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, um, you know, I, I, f- I feel like Michigan State followed their game plan. Like, some sometimes you just get beat. You know, sometimes you don't make shots and the other team does. And I felt like there was about a four, five-minute stretch in the second half where uh, Spartans players, uh, McQuaid, Goins, uh, Cash, even uh, Tillman close to the basket, they just weren't hitting. And uh, that freaking Mooney kid was just hitting everything he that left his hand. And it wasn't like they were wide open shots. Like uh, Henry had a hand in his face. Uh, McQuaid had a hand in his face. Like he was being defended like textbook. Like if you're going to draw up how to defend, uh, I believe his name was Matt, Matt Mooney. Like that was how you want to defend him. He was just making shots. And, um, you know, that's that's just the difference between winning and losing. You can't afford to have an off night. And uh, Kenny Goins, I love him to death. Uh, I know he he'll, he won't be remembered for what he did in the Final Four. He'll be remembered for hitting the shot over Zion to get them into the Final Four, rightfully so, because he earned uh, everything he's ever gotten at State. But he just – he had a bad offensive tournament, you know, like – Really, since the Wisconsin game in the Big Ten tournament, he just his shots hadn't been falling. I think he hit four three-pointers against Wisconsin, and then they played Michigan the next day. He didn't score until he hit two free throws uh, right at the end, and then he wasn't really hitting against Bradley. He had a decent shooting night against Minnesota. I think he made one against LSU and then, you know, had the big shot against Duke. But, yeah, if you told me going in that Kenny Goins wouldn't score – then no, there's no way I would pick Michigan State to win that game. And that's what happened, you know? He's a yeah. senior. Um, he's going to play 30-plus. Like, I hate to say it, but, you know, he's 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 got to do more than that. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that Michigan obviously was is the better team. You're right. It's just they got – they didn't – their shots weren't hitting. Um, I think that 
I don't know if they're better than Texas Tech per se. You know, yeah, I, I think they're don't... a better team. I think Texas Tech is just they're they're that annoying team. You know what I'm saying? They irritate on defense. You know what I'm saying? And and they don't play stifling defense. They play irritating defense. You know what I'm saying? They get in your way. They get in those little spots. Those little you know. Like I would have much rather had Michigan State play Auburn or Virginia or even Gonzaga than face Texas Tech. But you know it is it is what it is. And um, yeah. Yeah, so like, but I think mo- most of your court, you know, if Cassius stays, you know, you guys, uh, you know, got one hell of a leader to, you know, to have it trickle down to these, you know, juniors, sophomores, and freshmen. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. like, that's where I- I'm at the pos- at at that situation over here in Michigan, where it's just it's, it's not looking that way. It's not looking that good. You know what I'm saying? Xavier needs to work on his jump shot. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I, th- I think I think if even if Cassius goes, I think you guys still got a good core of players. You know what I'm saying? You still got Henry coming up. You know what I'm saying? You got Gabe. You know what I'm saying? So you guys, you go, even if even if Cassius goes, dude, I think you guys still have a nice core. You guys got Rocket Watts coming. You guys got uh, Lankford. He's going to be healthy next year. It's very scary for Michigan State. Uh, as a, as a Michigan fan, it's very scary to watch Michigan State. You know, it just I, – I feel like they're just – Every year they just come get stacked, and he, he he needs to replace so he replaces properly, you know. And um, Michigan, I think that Beeline wasn't ready for all uh for Poole and Brazikas to you know jump into the NBA, or maybe he is, and he has something on the bench that we don't know about. But right from now from the outside looking in, I don't like the way it's looking for Michigan if Brazikas and Poole actually leave for Michigan State. I think you guys are good. If, Cassius leaves if you guys if he stays even better you know yeah if Cassius goes then um I think they'll be a fine team I don't think they'll be like you know what they were this past season if Cassius comes back which I think he will um and yeah you know I think he he's gonna be playing with a bit of pressure but you know he knows what he needs to improve like I think his he was talking about how his legs were given out towards the end and you know he was playing with tendonitis and then playing oh, some games he wouldn't come off the floor I feel like um Michigan State needs foster lawyer uh if he's gonna stick around to just be more reliable you don't need uh a 10 point score off the bench what you need is like six seven eight solid minutes to rest Cassius if you could get Cassius on the bench for four to five minutes a half uh, then you're good, and I feel like Cassius won't uh, feel those effects, you know. Um, right, right, right. And for Michigan, uh, one name I've heard from uh, our Michigan basketball insider, Mike Olson. Um, you know, if if the three players that are gone do stay in the draft, um, a familiar name, uh, Mo Wagner's younger brother, plays like the same position as uh, Poole or Brazdikis. Um, Michigan has kind of had their eye on him, but not sure if they have a scholarship open. Um, so that's that's one name you might look for. I think it's Franz Wagner, some German name, of course. <laughs> um, I'll have to look that up. But, yeah, Mike was talking to me about that. They might offer uh, young Wagner. Nice. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. Haven't heard, haven't heard too much about him, but uh, definitely I'm going to look into him after we get done with this. So curious. But, yeah, yeah man. So, but I get nervous when you know Michigan State just lost in the final four, and all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about how much they have coming back, which is great. Um, 
But, you know, like I said earlier, or a couple episodes ago, expectations can be a college team's best friend or worst enemy. You know, we talked about the team for Michigan State that lost to Syracuse that had Bridges and Jackson and, uh, you know, Langford was healthy and Tum Tum was a senior. Right. Um, like that team from, from the moment Miles Bridges said he was coming back, if that team didn't win the championship, it was going to be a disappointment. And I think at a lot of points in the season – it showed that they were kind of playing with that pressure. It even showed on this year's team when uh, they were playing Bradley in the first round. You, you know, you could see they felt the pressure from the three years before them, the teams that failed to get out of the first couple rounds. And um, I just, I just get nervous because, you know, 2015 Michigan State made it to the Final Four and they lost to Duke, but it was like, oh, but Denzel's coming back and Bryn Forbes is coming back and uh, they're – getting this big freshman in Deontay Davis and Matt McQuaid. And, uh, you know, while they they had a really good season in the regular season, they lost to Middle Tennessee State. Um, not that that would happen again, but, you know, I do right. get nervous just talking about um, how much State has coming back. But also I want to see how Izzo handles coaching with a lot of depth because I feel like he does better when he has a short bench because then he feels like he's going to get the best out of his players effort-wise. You know, if if Ward comes back, which I think I'm, I think it's fifty fifty if Ward goes to the draft or if he comes back. Uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure Cassius comes back. But if Ward comes back, you know, minutes are going to be at a premium. There are going to be some players that might not be so happy. They're getting uh, ten, fifteen, or less minutes while uh, Ward and Tillman are both pulling down over twenty each. You know, even even though they're a very tight group, you know, they're still college kids like they still right. came to, to play basketball so you know i feel like michigan state's golden uh either way whatever ward decides to do uh because if he comes back you know you got a great uh post score before he hurt his hand um even from the day he stepped on campus he had some of the best post moves i've seen in college in a long time and he's only grown since then but if he goes you know he still got tillman who um you know, has as much NBA potential on the team as anybody aside from maybe Aaron Henry. And then, um, you know, they still, they, they'll have some depth. So it'll be interesting to see how Izzo works with it. But, you know, Langford coming back, we'll see how long it takes him to get back to form. And then we'll see how much they miss uh, the toughness that McQuaid and Goins brought every day. Right. But yeah, they might get off to a slow start just trying to balance minutes and, uh, you know, Langford getting back in the spin of things. But yeah, hopefully they'll they'll do like what they did this year, get it clicking by the end of February. Um, and you know, that's that's when it matters. All right. Absolutely. And before we move on to uh, you know, Pistons uh playoffs postseason, um, I read uh a way too early top twenty five uh for NCAA basketball next year. Michigan State is number one, Michigan's at seven. So I'm I saw- I've seen a few where Michigan State's at number one, Michigan's at number two, but I think that was before um, Brasdikas and Poole. Right, right. So, like, I don't know if that's going to change once, you know, the people, you know, when we find out who's actually staying, who's actually going. So, it's it's, like – Oh, go ahead. No, you're good. I feel like Kentucky will make a jump. Uh, You know, Duke has Vernon Carey coming back – or coming in, and they have Trey Jones coming back. Um you know, the, the kind of the usual suspects. But, yeah, uh, State, their first game will be against Kentucky. 
and um, we'll kind of see what they have then. Right. Uh, before we move on, I just want to say, like, it's disappointing to see the how the season ended, you know, losing by 10 in the Final Four. Um, but, you know, we talked uh, after their first game of the season when they lost to Kansas, and on the same floor a couple hours later, Duke beat Kentucky by 40. If you told me that night that Michigan State that Michigan State team would be that Duke team. Oh, but Michigan State wouldn't have Josh Lankford or Kyle Ahrens. You know, if you, me, if you tell me that night they beat Duke but lose in the Final Four, right? Ten, I take it. Right. Because I feel like beating Duke was probably the most special part of the season. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking back on it now. I'm like glad that Duke, you know, that UCF didn't make their last shot against Duke and Virginia Tech didn't make their last shot because if Michigan State beat Virginia Tech or Central Florida and then lost to Texas Tech, like, I don't know. We don't look at this team as kindly. But the fact that they took down Duke with a generational-type talent like Zion Williamson and then another uh, probably NBA All-Star someday and R.J. Barrett, um, yeah, that makes the season. So – Disappointing, you know, Izzo, he's two and six in the final four round now, but people forget like five of those or um, three of those games that he lost, he was a five seed or lower. And then, um, you know, I think most of the time he's played a one seed in the final four and he's actually beaten one a couple times. So I'm not upset at Izzo for, ha- you know, having a bad record in the final four. That's like being mad at Tom Brady and the Patriots for losing in the Super Bowl, you know, like. Right. Do you want to get or do you want to lose in the Elite Eight? So it's like, what do you, you know, pick your poison? Right, absolutely. And I've watched Michigan lose in a in a in a championship game twice in the past decade. So right. uh, I, you know, I, I I get it. I get it. You're still gonna love them. They're still your team. But I I, I would never. I wouldn't say that you guys uh, as sad as it was, a complete failure. You guys beat Duke, beat your rivals. You swept your rivals. Big Ten champs uh, regular season, Big Ten, Ten champs tournament, Final Four. Nothing to scoff at, dude. Absolutely nothing and, to scoff at. So. And they beat a good Michigan team three times. It wasn't like one of Beeline's worst teams. You know, all in all, that's probably his best team that didn't go to the Final Four. Like, they're probably right up there with the 2014 team. Um, And it was important because – Last offseason, it looked like things were really shifting heavily in Michigan's favor, and it looked like uh, Izzo was kind of in the twilight of his career. And then someone asked him in his uh, season-ending press conference, they said, do you feel like you're in the sunset of your career? And he says, after coaching this team, I feel like that sun is rising again. Mm -hmm. This season could have possibly reinvigorated Tom Izzo, you know? Right. And, you know, got his mojo back. Because not beating Michigan just once or twice, but to beat them three times uh, and, you know, down two key players each time, um, that's huge. I feel like he might be most proud of that. And then finally taking down Krzyzewski. You know, the team with Bridges and Jackson was 0-3 versus Michigan and Duke. And then this team, you know, without Bridges and Jackson, without Langford, was 4-0 and against Michigan and Duke. So Right, right. Yeah, this team means the world to me. Um, yeah. And again, Michigan had a very good season too. Not n- nothing to take away from them. Making it to the what Sweet Sixteen. Um, 
you know, I'll, 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 I'll take my team going to a Sweet 16 or, you know, I just, I'm just really worried about next year seeing what the outcome of um, Braz and Poole give us. But like I said, I, I, I want them to go into this. I want them to go through the process. I want them to, you know, dip their toe in the pool and feel how the water is and see what they need to change. And hopefully they bring that back next year with, you know, uh, some, some gusto and some moxie. But until then. Yeah. I guess we can come back and talk about it then. But let's talk about our Pistons, man. Uh, Pistons, eighth seed in the, you know, the East playoffs, man. Um, right. I I don't think they're going anywhere. I think the Bucks are going to absolutely sweep them. So I like, with, three. <laughs> yeah. It, okay. It, either way, we know that Bucks are going to demolish them. They're just way too deep. They got shooters all around them. They got they got yeah. uh probably probably the most mobile big man in the league. Um besides Durant and AD. But um, what really what really got me looking into this is now, now their stock drops in the NBA draft, you know? So yeah. I looked at some mocks, uh, mock-ups there sitting around 15, right? So I feel I feel like they didn't oh, make right, it. Right on the lottery, yeah. Right. So I feel like if they didn't make it, they could have maybe picked anywhere like four to, ten, four to five places above them. But um, I also look at a mock draft, and they have Pistons at 15 drafting um, Indiana University's uh, uh, Romeo Langford, is 6'6", 6'6", guard, 215 pounds, okay. great size. And that's kind of what they need, you know. So, yeah. you know, like I don't look at it like it's a total loss. I hope this team kind of, you know, comes together from this playoff loss because you know they're going to lose this. I, you know, it'd be a miracle if they yeah. win it. But I, I hope they they really get something out of this um, out of this first round playoffs. I hope they get a little more tight knit. I hope um, you know they learn a lot of stuff. They get some um, experience. They learn a lot from Casey. And it wouldn't be bad to bring Romeo Langford. I mean, me, me and you alluded to how good we thought Indiana was when when they lost to uh, yeah. when they lost to uh, when Michigan State lost to them. We said you know Indiana's a good team. They just don't have it all together. They got a lot of talent just don't have it all together so me you know we alluded to that so we 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 don't we're not strangers to Langford so I don't think it would be a bad pickup but um if it goes that way I don't think I'll be too too upset about that yeah say they do get Langford and you know retain all the other starters so that would give you Reggie Jackson at the one which isn't great but you know it is what it is um Romeo Langford at the two Luke Kennard at the three uh Blake Griffin at the four and Andre at the five you know, on paper, that's a pretty decent uh, starting lineup right there. Right, and I'd say and, your weakest. You know, they've been, yeah. yeah, they've been lacking shooting so much this season. And I know um, Kennard had a decent shooting night last night against the Knicks, but yeah, like Langford, he's not just a shooter; like he's also a pretty good. Like he finds ways to score. Um, so yeah, if they do that, that'd be great. Um, I wouldn't frown at that. Right, right. But at the same time, you know. If uh, you decided back in February that you were going to tank instead of try to make the eighth seed, instead of talking about Romeo Langford, you could be talking about John Morant. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll take yeah. I'll take John Morant over over Langford any day. But um, I would take John Morant over almost anybody on the Pistons roster right now. In all honesty, <laughs> right? Maybe, yeah, maybe not Blake, but everybody else. I I'd rather have Ja. Right, and, and, and to be honest with you, I would I, I would love if they if they wiped Reggie from the books and had Ish start for us. But Ish is so good coming off the bench, 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you don't want to like kind of ruin that mojo going. So yeah, I wouldn't mind that. But like, I, I like Luke Kennard, you know, shooting wise, but everything else he does, some, uh, so whatever. I think he'd be the weakest link out of that starting five. I would like to have, you know, you know, a more balance of a three, you know, but. But, you know, for right now, I'm kind of glad to uh, – I don't know if it's kind of in mixed emotions. I want to watch them in the playoffs. I know they're going to lose. It's going to kind of see what they bring, you know what I'm saying, because this first round, it's going to be very tough for them, and they have to bring it all. So um, it, it, it's, I'm curious to see how they, you know, how they approach this playoff um, series. Yeah, and, you know, for selfish reasons, I'm glad they did make it because – you know, we started this podcast uh, a summer two years ago, and we haven't seen a pro Detroit team in the playoffs since. So wow. this is the first time we'll be able to talk about the playoffs in Detroit. So I'm excited for that, you know. Joe keeping stats. <laughs> but I almost I almost want the Bucks to do it because I feel like, you know, maybe the Raptors would be the biggest threat, but I really like Giannis. And I feel like, you know, LeBron has dominated the East for so long. And, you know, now he's gone. Now he's the Wicked Witch of the West. Um, and they didn't even make the playoffs over there. But right. Giannis, you know, talent-wise and how he's playing, he's becoming the next face of the NBA. And I feel like Milwaukee needs to have a good showing in the playoffs. Not just the first round. You can't just beat Detroit and expect that to, like, take care of things. I mean, like, in the second third round maybe even the finals if they get there Milwaukee needs to have like a a good solid showing for him to be the equal maybe even uh viewed greater than viewed as greater than LeBron if that makes sense no it does I mean I I think it's it's his time to shine you know I think I think I think Giannis is it's his time to show the league that what's his I love what he said about um um his he's got, he kind of has a kind of throwing a little shot at uh what's his face from uh uh Joel Embiid saying you know Joel Embiid saying you know I'm the best and best big man and uh he was kind of like you know you know if you're the best you don't need to say you're the best people aren't going to say that about you and I thought I was I was like ooh that is so mature that kid you know what I'm saying because you know like the best the best is going to be the best. You don't need to go out there and promote yourself as the best. If you are the best, dude, everyone's going to know it. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's where that kid's mentality is at, and it's very scary. And I hope both Embiid and Antetokounmpo are where they're at for a long time because we got two potentially all-time great big men in the same conference who could be battling head-to-head for a while. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, while we're on the playoffs, um, Sasha, what do you think are some keys for, like, the East and then going into the West? Keys as in? As in um, if this team does that, they'll go to the finals or, you know, uh, hypotheticals. Hypotheticals. Okay, so I think if if the Rockets – for for the West, right, I like – I like – I think James Harden should should have gotten MVP – I, I think he put this whole team on his back this year with Chris Paul out, but it seems to me that every time they hit the playoffs, Harden is nowhere. Harden is gone, and they just you know get their butts uh, handed to them. I think if they if Harden plays like he does, and 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 Paul comes in and they play their 
the basketball that they've been playing, I think it's going to be hard for them to stop. Um, Spurs, I think, you know, the Spurs are the Spurs. They're hit or miss. Um, but I really do think that the Lakers, I mean, the Lakers, <laughs> the Golden State Warriors um, are is the team to beat. You know what I'm saying? Like, everyone's worried about, about the whole dream on thing with, with KD. But, man, these guys are – Go, though. That feels well, like uh... – Draymond's fight with uh, KD was so long ago. Like that was early in the season. Right, right. But but people will still say say there's animosity there, and you right. know, you know, they just got fined for the whole ref thing. But you know what, man? It, when it comes to the playoffs, these guys are going to be professionals, like they are champions, like they are. And they're going to rally, and they're going to put all that stuff behind them, and they're going to just you know barge through. The mm-hmm. the team that I I, I like that. I, I want to see do something would be Portland, but with Nurkic out and, you know, McCullough just coming back and, you know, it, it's yeah. tough for them to do what they do. I know, I know they have Ennis Cantor now. He needs to step it up and pull some Nurkic numbers out of his butt, but he's not gonna. And, you know, Lill- mm-hmm. Lillard, Lillard's kind of like, oh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Harden when it comes to, you know, not, not showing up sometimes. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. in the West, it's going to be the Warriors. I just think they're going to, they come in in the east. I really do think it's going to come down to the Sixers and the um or the Bucks. Okay, for the West, um, like the team that I want to make it would be the Nuggets because that's that's my favorite team just because of Gary Harris and like they got a lot of young, uh, up and coming talent that plays really well together. Uh, right. but they got the Spurs in the first round. I think they'll beat the Spurs, but I don't think they get past round two. Uh, because I think I think uh Denver. Uh, is the two seed in the West, if I'm not mistaken. So they would hypothetically play Houston in the second round, and I just don't see them beating Houston in best of seven. And then, um, you know you know the, the phrase, innocent until proven guilty? Well, it's like, it's the Warriors out of the West until proven otherwise. And, right. you know, you might think, like, they're getting bored. They're getting sick of each other. They don't like playing with each other as long as they've been. But you forget, like, they got Boogie Cousins now. And Boogie Cousins has never done he, – he's never really succeeded in the playoffs. Even when he was at Kentucky, I think they got to the Elite Eight and lost to West Virginia. Yep. Um, you know, if, they, if they've taken in Boogie Cousins as one of their own, as like their brother, they'll be playing for him to get him a championship. And that's kind of different. Like, you know, LeBron was able to play eight straight years in the finals playing until late June – because he he, aside from the four years in Miami, he was having teammates in and out the door. You know, he was doing it with different people almost every time. The Warriors they've had the same core of Draymond and Steph and Clay, and then they added KD. Um, you know, for going on five years now, so they're looking at their fifth straight run to the finals with the same group of guys. And I feel like you can be the best of teammates, but that could still wear on you a bit you know like look at how the bad boys finished they had the same core going to the eastern conference finals and the nba finals for so long and they ended up like hating each other right at the end the ones that were left right but and then uh, the east you know i feel like the raptors i know i'm i'm like i know they're always uh a, a choke risk but, you know, they got Kawhi now, and I feel like Lowry is playing really well. And then, um, you know, Jeremy Lin is coming off the bench, and OG Ananobi uh, has come yeah. back from an injury pretty well. 
And Van Fleet's been playing good, and they got past Kelsey Yakum. That's right. Um, you know, I I definitely don't think Boston's going to go anywhere because I think Kyrie, his head is elsewhere. I don't think he's really in it. And, uh, you know, Hayward, I feel like he's still a year from being close to what he was. Um, so I feel like, honestly, once Kyrie leaves Boston, I think they'll be better off because they'll have the money. And, you know, they still got Tatum. They still got Scary Terry. And uh, they still got Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart just got hurt, too. Like, he's uh, he's going to miss the first two rounds if they play the first two rounds. He's going to miss them, I just read. Right. So, um, but yeah, if I – I hope it comes down to Milwaukee and Philly, like you said, because uh, we got that budding personal rivalry between Giannis and Joel – um, and they both kind of play the same position. And, you know, Philly, they've been building building uh, the process for so long. And, you know, they got to the second round last year, but I think lost in five to Boston. You know, you need Ben Simmons to step up. You know he's not a shooter, but he's got to find other ways to score. He's very good at passing the ball. I think he's got to find ways to score it. Because it's like Xavier Simpson. Xavier Simpson is good at so many things, but he's not – uh, he's not always a threat to score the ball. So it's like you're playing four on five on offense. Yeah, no knockdown shots. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I think it's going to be Warriors and Bucks. Nice. All right, so we're on the same page. So that's good. Yeah. And, um, you know, the Pistons, I think overall it will be good for them because, you know, their goal they decided at the midway point of the season or at the trade deadline – they decided their goal was going to be to make the playoffs. And, you know, I'd much rather them be in this position than what Charlotte was in because Charlotte was also trying to make the playoffs and they came a game short. So Charlotte didn't tank and they didn't make the playoffs. So I think even if you're going to get whacked in four games, you'd still rather be there, you know? Right. But, you know, maybe they surprise us and win a game or two. But, yeah. Yeah. All right, Joe. Let's talk about the Joe Kerr movie, man. I mean, have you seen the trade? Have you seen the trailer for this? I have watched the trailer, and um, you know, Joaquin, he's always been one of my favorite actors in the game. Uh, he had that weird uh, stretch where he was like trying to be a rapper or whatever, but I'm glad he's back in the acting game now. <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. And um, I just uh, I posted something on our Facebook page about um, this movie, um, you know, the Robert De Niro's in this movie as well. And they're saying, you know, this is good. This is, you know, a series of movies that's outside of the DCEU, which has been lackluster. And in, uh, you know, anything outside of DCEU, you talk about Nolan's Batman. This looks right along the lines of a Nolan Batman, you know, if, if, if people want a CGI superhero movie, this is not, this is not the movie for you, man. You know what I'm saying? This is going to be an X. This is, this movie is going to, to me, something chilling, something totally different, you know? And, um, and the, you know, with De Niro being in this movie and, you know, the producer and director and Joaquin Phoenix, you know, when they made this movie, they, they paid homage to uh, Martin Scorsese, three Martin Scorsese films that actually star Robert De Niro. Those movies are Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, and Raging Bull. And they also um, 
got a, a little bit of the killing joke, which is like one of the best origin story jokers there is. Uh, uh, comic that was written um i think mark hamill uh did the voice uh for the movie a few years back but this movie is gonna be dark it's gonna be along the lines of nolan it's gonna have a scorsese taxi driver feel to it and i think people that aren't are new to the comic book world and are so used to you know the campy marvel movies the campy dceu movies that they're not really going to understand this but the hardcore nolan fans the hardcore you know comic book fans are going to absolutely appreciate this movie and i i really do feel like this is the angle that dc needs to go with their movies you know do whatever you want to do with dceu blow it up i really don't care I want these dark Joker, Nolan Batman trilogy type movies. That's what draws me in to those comic books. That's what draws me into those movies. That's why Nolan's movies were so successful. And I feel like DCU should have took a little bit of Nolan's, uh, a page out of Nolan's book when they wanted to run with their whole extended universe and and compete against Marvel's, you know, MCU. So I think they should have took a page out of Nolan's book. And I think that's what they're doing with this Joker movie. And it's going to be delightful, delightfully pleasant for a lot of people who appreciate Joker and appreciate the origins and appreciate before shit was all cgi and appreciate you know the batman movie from 89 you know we can appreciate that stuff dude i think this is gonna bring a lot of people back who appreciate the comic books and the art and the illustrations and the dark way that dc presents them i you know I, i i personally cannot wait to see this movie and um i hope people aren't showing up to the theater expecting to see batman versus the joker because from my understanding, this is like a standalone Joker movie. This isn't like building into something. This isn't a prequel, a sequel, uh, you know, a beginning. Uh, you know, it's just it's just a Joker. From what I understand, it's like uh, in Thomas Wayne's universe. Um, so Bruce is like a kid at this point. And also, like, it's it's because like DC is still technically employing uh, Jared Leto as the Joker from Suicide Squad. Um so, you know, it's like, is this like a parallel? Is this the same guy? Or, well, I mean, obviously it's not the same guy, but are these like just two different people who happen to be the Joker in the same uh, universe? But yeah, one thing um, I think out just by looking at him, he does kind of look like Heath Ledger's Joker, just like, you know, the long green hair. Uh, just like he's more neat than uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, just uh, based off eye test, you know, like. Heath Ledger's uh, makeup was like smeared and not fully covering his face. It was like messy. Whereas Joaquin Phoenix is like, he's got the very defined clown smile and, you know, he's got like the slicked back green hair that that's long. You know, he's got like a full put together suit. Um, right. Yeah. But the trailer itself, I think it did such a great job as a trailer because it showed just little bits and pieces of his origin. Like, you know, you see him getting beat up um, by these people that he doesn't know. You see him, like, uh, like bathing his mother, which is kind of weird. But it didn't give up, like, it didn't give away a whole lot of information, which kind of makes it more intriguing to go see the movie, you know? It didn't show us, like, clear points where it's like, see, now he's normal, and this is why he becomes a Joker. It's like, we see him in everyday life and then at the end we see him 
in his full Joker getup, talking about how he thought his life was a tragedy, but it turns out it's a comedy, you know. And he, um, so you know, with Heath Ledger, we didn't really get a whole lot of backstory. We got uh, the different uh, stories about his scars, um, which were great. Obviously, uh, amazing performance. But yeah, I'm excited to see this because. We'll see the Joker without seeing Batman for the first time on screen. And that, that excites me a lot. Yeah, I'm with you, Joe. And I, I think this is a different take on it. I think it's a refreshing take, but I still think it holds on to the origins heavily. Um, I just think, I, I hope it ends, and I just hope it ends with him falling into a vat and it just ends like that. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody knows what happens after he comes out of the vat. He meets the bat. You know, no, no, no rhymes intended over here. I'm not trying to be Dr. Seuss, nothing, but like, that's what I, how I honestly hope it ends. Cause everyone knows what happens after that. And you know, right. and, and then they can, they can honestly like run wild with it, but you know, right. I like, can't wait to see it. Yeah. It's like, you know, we've seen Batman versus the Joker so many times, be it in cartoons, be it in uh, animated films, live action films, you know, we've seen it. It's like, when Marvel was making uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, they knew we've seen the origin story so many times. We don't need that. Uh, you know, you can just pick up right after Civil War for Spider-Man. And I feel like that's kind of what this is. We don't need to see Batman versus the Joker right now. Right. Uh, because there is no current Batman. Uh, <laughs> we, I, Yeah, so I feel like this will be a fresh take and it won't be connected to the rest of the DC universe, which will be nice because it feels like, you, you know, we talked about it in order to see Avengers Endgame, you had to see Captain Marvel. And in order to see Captain Marvel, you had to see these films. And in order to see Infinity War, you had to see all of the Guardians of the Galaxy and all of these, you know. Right. Nice to see just a movie, you don't need to know, really, you don't need to know anything prior going into it and it's not going to have like some key information for the next Aquaman movie, you know? Right, exactly. So that'll be nice. That'll be refreshing in a lot of ways. And then, yeah, just the movie itself. I'm very excited to see. Um, like, I've, I don't know what I'm going to see when I go into this movie. In all honesty, it, maybe it sucks. Maybe it does, but it looks, it looks very um, intriguing and it looks pretty good from what I can see. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree. But I, I, if if they can do this so right, and I feel like they're doing that, I feel like they're doing that. Everything's so right, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I, I hope I'm right because if I'm wrong, I'm gonna be devastated. <laughs> right, I get that. Yeah. So another yeah. thing from last week was, um, you know, the what would be mid-season finale until October for The Walking Dead. Joe, take that away, man. So that's uh, that's a wrap on season nine of The Walking Dead. And, um, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the shock at the end of uh, the episode before with the heads on the poles of the characters. And then, you know, what we saw a couple weeks ago was just meh. Like, you know, a, a bunch of groups trying to survive in the winter. Really, like, the only thing I, I took away from the Walking Dead season finale was, um, you know, when uh, Judith kind of broke free to go uh, find Daryl's dog and then Negan 
uh, did what he did to save Judith and the dog, and he, like, uh, fell, and it looked like he broke his leg or something like that. And then you had the moment between Negan and Michonne at the end. But, you know, it didn't really build towards much. You know, a lot of times we see the season finale of The Walking Dead, like, leave us with something, you know, whether it's Negan pointing the bat at the camera and you don't know whose point of view you're seeing it from, whether it's, you know, Rick and his people on the outskirts of the prison um, at the end of one season. You know, they've always left us with something to go off of. But we didn't even see the Whisperers. I mean, we saw them, like, right at the end. Um, but it's like, I don't, I don't know what we're going to see when uh, episode one of season 10 opens up, you know? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it, it ended with, um, you know, what's his face? Ezekiel talking to Judith on a CB, and then Ezekiel walks out, shuts the door, and then there's a voice like, hello? Hello? Is anybody in there? Hey, there? You know, it's like, okay, what's this now? And, you know right. what I'm saying? So it's like... And it's like, I, we've been talking for so long about how we want the show to, like, start winding down. We don't need new characters to be introduced at this moment. Right. And, and, and like, like you said, like, Negan putting his bat at the camera and ending it like that, that's a cliffhanger. That makes you want to, like, I can't wait till it comes back. Hearing a random voice on the CB asking for help isn't, it, it, it's not going to keep me as drawn in and as waiting as that Negan bat point. Unless it was Rick's voice, like, I don't know. We've seen new characters come in. Like, there was one season they ended it with, um, Morgan uh, tracking down the people and we hadn't seen Morgan since uh, the middle of season three, you know, like that's the stuff we needed to keep us going. I feel like there are, there are a lot of viewers who aren't going to tune in uh, when the new season opens in October. Right. Absolutely. And um, I, I, I just, I want them to start ending it, you know, just like how game of Thrones comes out this weekend. Um, are you a game of Thrones watcher? Uh, I have not re- really watched Game of Thrones. I've watched uh, Bleacher Report's Game of Zones, which is like a mix with the NBA. It's really funny. Uh, but no, I've never watched Game of Thrones. I think you, I think you should, Joe. Um, I think you would really enjoy Game of Thrones, man. Full disclosure, but, I've seen uh, some certain scenes online, but I won't get into that. Most definitely. But yeah, um, you know, game, and that's that's winding down. They're winding their season down. I mean, their 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 whole series down because I feel like they know that if if they, they it runs its course, people are going to start letting go. And I think they need to do that with, you know, uh, Walking Dead because you know I'm kind of ready to let go. You know, what I'm saying if it wasn't for the head episode on the sticks, you know, what I'm saying I don't think I I don't think I would have been really coming back as furious as I as I would with the with walking dead so yeah and you know when you when they ended that episode with the oh shit moment it you really just thought something was gonna happen afterwards but there's no rick's not there you know when negan and um you know uh the wolves or the cannibals pushed rick he pushed back and with negan it took a little bit of a longer time but, you know, eventually he was like, I'm not taking your shit no more. I'm pushing back. Like, they're all just kind of falling in line with the Whisperers. You know, like, they saw the act of power and 
like they didn't even want to cross into their territory um to like do a shortcut get in, um from point a to point b you know in the middle of the winter like that's how scared they were of the of the whisperers right and it's like you know i feel like this is where you start to miss rick almost yeah most definitely it's where you miss rick because you know they don't have like a defined leader you know to you know rally behind i think that you know once rick left that's where the leadership was going but what i'm really uh interested is like where's rick now we saw him take off an helicopter where are these movies no i thought they were gonna allude to something at the end of this show i thought they were gonna gonna see something different at the end of the show like rick waking up in like a laboratory or something that would have like kept me hanging on you know what i'm saying not no voice on the ccd right like like yeah we we have so many new characters i couldn't name uh, half of the new characters that were introduced this year, in all honesty. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just like, yeah, like you said, we're getting ready to let go. And it's like, you guys are on thin ice right now with a <laughs> lot of viewers. Like, a lot. Yeah. I know a lot of people who stopped watching after season seven, you know, the, the season where they fought back against Negan. I know a lot of people who have been watching from day one who stopped watching at that point. And I feel like, and then, you know, last year, I feel like they lost even more people from uh, season eight to season nine. And, you know, you, you, you want to have like, you know, the season, the episode we just watched to end the season, you want to have that in the middle of the season. That's one thing, but to close your, your ninth season like that. And it was kind of a lackluster season. Well, it's been like a lackluster couple of seasons. Like I think season nine was actually pretty decent but that's how you close it. That's disappointing. That's, right. that's a slap in the face. Couldn't agree more, Joe. Um, not really waiting for it to come back. To be honest with you, I, I, to be honest with you, um, once Game of Thrones is over, I'm gonna probably look for my next like big show to watch. Man, you know, it's like there's no big show to watch. So, I mean, maybe that's something we can talk about next time. You know, what is the next big show to watch once Walking Dead? you know, in Game of Thrones leaves. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll give Fear the Walking Dead a second shot. You know what? I was thinking the same exact thing because now that Morgan's in it, maybe it changes the whole dynamic. Right, right. But um Yeah, we'll we'll have to start looking for new shows. Um Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll still be watching when it comes back in October. Um but yeah, like after after the Negan episode, you know, where he's doing the eeny, eeny, miny, mo, you know, it's like couldn't wait to, to get to the next season, you know? Right. We were on pins and needles regarding The Walking Dead for months. I, like, like, I remember, like, you know, texting so many people, like, leading up to that episode when they were, like, kind of dangling in front of us and people being like, damn it, just tell us who Negan killed already, you know? Right. <laughs> We don't have that, and that's that's a big disappointment. Yeah, because but, even last season, last season I feel like a lot of people lost interest, but we still had you know Negan in prison, and it's like how is he going to adjust to life as a prisoner, and how are Rick and Michonne going to adjust to life without Carl, and you know how are the, how are all the communities going to uh, work together? including the uh the sanctuary 
And now, yeah, there's just there's kind of nothing. Yeah, absolutely lackluster. So I'm I'm just waiting to get for it to end in a big way. But other than that, it wasn't it, it wasn't something, you know, it it it, it was probably one of the to me these last two seasons probably the slowest two seasons of Walking Dead. Right. And it's like I think you got a good bad guy in Alpha and Beta and the Whisperers, you know? Right. But then again, like you have this character that was once a badass in Negan that you're just kinda you know, he's just kind of there. Domesticated. Yeah, he's the, that's a great term for it. He's he's like somebody took a, a tiger and Oh, well, I guess Ezekiel did that. It's like somebody took a lion and, you know, trained it to be a house cat. I was about to say a tiger, but, you know, King Ezekiel had a um, Shiva. (laughs) Right. You know, but at the same time, King Ezekiel would unleash Shiva on uh, his enemies. I feel like that's, you know, now, if you want, like, a mastermind Man, you got him right there. Oh, oh yeah, big time, you know. But does he still have it in him? That's the uh, that's the big right, thing. That's another, yeah. Other than that, I think uh, we got some most everything we want to get to on this one. Yeah, absolutely. We talked Michigan, Michigan State, a little bit of Pistons playoff runs, yeah. Joker movie, and The Walking Dead, man. Um, you know, next week I don't know what we'll come with, but um. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't mention this. I didn't mention this when we were talking about state, but I feel like the Texas Tech game—that was where we kind of forgot what Josh Langford was. You know, Josh Langford was 15 points a night. Um, you know, he could get hot and score in bunches. Michigan State was really missing that, and I think it showed sorely against uh, Texas Tech. I think, you know, everybody kind of forgot. Like, I feel like once Michigan State started playing well without Langford, people thought, like, it didn't affect their ceiling. But I really feel like it did. And obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. but Langford not being there, that really affected their ceiling. Right. I feel like Langford, like, I feel like it was for the benefit of the team that he did get hurt in some way because Winston and McQuaid became what they were. But if, if Langford could have come back from the injury and played this season – like then, I think that takes the team over the top, and they can get past a a, a a stout defense like Texas Tech if he's playing, and then McQuaid and Winston are what they became. Right. Um. But when you when you don't have that, and you know McQuaid had a just an okay shooting night, like not bad. He made a couple of threes, but he wasn't he wasn't a big factor once once uh, Texas Tech got on a roll. You know. That's where Langford would have made a big difference. And, you know, I feel like a lot of state fans and uh, writers forgot about Langford in that regard. All right. Yeah, Joe, I got to go, Joe, but I'll holler at you next week, brother. This has been real. Beards Radio. I'm Sasha. I'm Joe. Happy birthday on Saturday, man. Thank you. Hello. Hey, man. How's it going? What's going on? You hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear me? Yep, yep. Oh, are you trying to get a hold of Sash? Yeah. Oh, well, you this? sound kind of like him. What up? <laughs> Is this Chris? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, man, this is Joe. How's it going? What's going on, man? <laughs> you kind of sounded like him at first. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. What's been going on, man? You guys got a show going on? Yeah, we're yeah, at- yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, hey, Sasha. How's it going, man? What up, man? <laughs> All right. Well, you you fuckers have a good time and kill it, you know? <laughs> yes, sir. Sure. Chris, I'll see you Sunday, brother. Hey, uh, I want you to do some five minute shits too, if you can. I, you know, like I like I did on that Masters. If you got like a five minute NBA rant, give it to me. You know what I mean? Doubt, no okay, doubt. Sir. I'll do that for sure. All right, fellas, you guys kill it, boys. Later. All right, take it easy, man. <laughs> I thought he was you for a second, Sash. <laughs> yeah, because both do. Uh, yeah, we're both. both, uh, we're both yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, Sasha sounds kind of weird, but okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> How you been, man? Been. Been all right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to lead us off on this one? Yeah, what do you want to start off first? You want to start off uh, uh, post-Final Four preseason basketball? you want to start off Pistons playoffs? Um, Either one works for me, and then uh, we'll go from – those into uh Joker trailer and then um Walking maybe Dead. Walking Dead season finale. Yeah, we can do that. 